listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm pastor james cleland sitting in for sarah today thank you so much pastor cleland for being here today My pleasure and we have uh, a great update from our friends at lutheran heritage foundation to share with you in just a moment thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey. He's Executive Director of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Dr. Heisey, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee it's Hour today. great to be with you. Thank you, Andy and uh, Pastor Cleland. Uh, we always enjoy sharing the stories of Lutheran Heritage Foundation and the many partners you work with around the globe to bring God's Word and great resources into the hands and, and, and really to the hearts of so many people as well. Um, for our listeners maybe not familiar with LHF, share with us just a little bit about what is the work of LHF today? Well, actually, it's quite appropriate to, to speak about this because uh, Friday at uh, Concordia uh, Seminary's commencement ceremonies, our founder, the Reverend Dr. Robert Ron, received uh, the Distinguished Alumnus Award, and uh, he is celebrating his 50th anniversary of his ordination back in 1961. Wow. So if my math is right, yeah, I think that's working out. Uh, no, actually, let's see, 61, yep, yeah, 50, right, 50 years, good, my math isn't bad. And uh, <laughs> he founded uh, LHF back in 1992, uh, basically with the idea of restoring a Lutheran witness to the country of Russia, which had, of course, gone through 70 plus years of atheism and had just right. recently, you know, lifted lifted that, that cloud of of atheism over that country. And in 1992, the opportunities were great for being involved in missions and and starting back to, to restore a witness of a Lutheran church that had been the second largest in all of Russia. Wow, I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty cool. Hmm. So it sounds like your organization is kind of on the front lines of of some of the persecution that might be going on right now. I, I'm kind of in a Lutheran bubble because I'm at the seminary and I rarely feel persecution for for being a Christian. But but there's some stuff going on right now that LHF is currently kind of involved in. Is that right? In like Finland that, that, and some that, other places? That's right, Pastor Cleland. Actually, um, um, we we work very closely with uh, Bishop-elect uh, Johanna Poyala. And uh, the Reverend Dr. Johanna Poyala is... Uh, has recently just been charged with incitement uh, in April of uh, this year. In fact, maybe I can kind of set the timeline for you how this all worked. Back in 2004, uh, we worked with uh, the Finnish Mission Diocese, which had broken away from the State Church of Finland uh, because of theological, liberal theological issues. And uh, um, Pastor Poyala at that time had uh, edited a booklet that was written by Dr. Paivi Rassanen, who is a a medical doctor and also uh, a member of parliament, uh, Finnish parliament. And and basically, the title was Male and Female. He created them. And it was a a biblical response to the issue of homosexual marriage. Back in 2004, we can all remember that this, uh, you hadn't had uh, Supreme Court cases. Uh, you hadn't uh, that this hadn't really gone through so quickly as it did uh, in 2008 to 2013, when all of a sudden it became law of the land in the United States. Well, this was back then, and in 2017, 
the government of Finland passed a uh, the a same sex marriage act, which allowed uh, homosexual couples to marry. Uh, this booklet all of a sudden was on their radar screen, something that had been written 13 years prior to that. And so in November of 2019, um, Dr. Rasanen was actually called in for interrogations by Helsinki police, along with uh, uh, Dr. Poyla. And uh, that case had gone through now until April of this year, 2021, and now charges have been lodged of incitement. Uh, basically, they said they have attacked the, uh, the prosecutor general of Finland said they have attacked the the equality and dignity of homosexuals in Finland uh, just by quoting from the Bible. And, and, and so now they are, are literally going to have to get legal counsel and uh, if convicted could serve up to two years in prison. Wow. Hmm. This is reality. Based on a, a document that was written 13 years you said right i mean back to 2004 so now even 17 years ago and we'd help fund that oh. that document uh but uh of, of course dr rasen and they are charging her because of this booklet because of social media posts she's made and words spoken on radio talk shows uh mm-hmm. mind you she is a very gentle uh early 60s she's in her early 60s very gentle dignified person who uh, in no way questions the equality and dignity of any person. And uh, basically what she and Bishop Poilev said, you know, we, we just simply support what the scriptures say about homosexual marriage. We love all people, but we have to speak the truth and we speak the truth in love. Right. Uh, that's no longer acceptable to, to many in, in that country. And so uh, we uh, publicized this actually on our own website a few weeks ago. And uh, immediately, uh, Dr. Gregory Seltz of Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, my old classmate from Guardian Lutheran in Dearborn, Michigan, uh, he uh, said he would be going to the Finnish consulate and registering their support. I also heard from Joe Devarian, who is an LCMS member and uh, is with the Alliance Defending Freedom. And I talked to him on the phone. He says, we already supply international lawyers for cases like these. We, we've supported Dr. Rasanen, and uh, they would be happy to do the same for uh, Bishop-elect Poyola. Uh, although uh, uh, talking to his cousin just a few days ago, I understand he has two of his sisters are prominent lawyers and his father is a retired judge. So I think his legal <laughs> assistance is pretty strong right now. Good, good. Wow. That's just... It- overwhelming just to, to think about. Um, it, 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 and this is just one example of persecution of the church. Um, you have written about this, uh, about persecution of the church as well. And, uh, in another part of the world, would you like to share with us about that? Well, yeah, here, here comes shameless plug time. Uh, I have been uh, <laughs> blessed to actually have my, uh, dissertation at Concordia seminary accepted as a, a book to be published by Lexham press, uh, out in uh, Washington. Uh, the, Editor Todd Haynes is actually a member of the LCMS, and it's an evangelical publishing company. So I'm grateful that Todd has been able to uh, uh, help. And, and of course, uh, my mentor, Dr. Robert Kolb, of course, uh, steered me towards uh, Lexham there. But uh, basically, I've written about uh, the persecution and martyrdom of Lutherans in Stalin's Soviet Union in the 1920s and 1930s. And something that Dr. Rasanen said, actually, in uh, one of her one of the articles I read, she said, "I do not consider myself guilty." And I kept thinking to myself, 
where have I heard that phrase before? And then I thought, oh, yes, I wrote about that. And, <laughs> and I literally Googled the words on my text, and, and I came back to a case in 1929, 1930, and a Sunday school teacher by the name of Benita Cassetti, who had been arrested in Leningrad because she was teaching children Sunday school. And, and, and those were her words as they arrested her. Uh, I was able to see the Uncave Day file. That's uh, the precursor of the KGB. And, and she literally said, I do not consider myself guilty because I'm just teaching the Bible to kids. And uh, that has its place. There is that kind of freedom in the Soviet Union. Well, of course, that was soon to change and change quickly. And, and she was arrested along with her sister and many others at that time uh, because of a new law that Joseph Stalin had passed in 1929, where he said it was no longer acceptable to teach uh, children Sunday school. And uh, so a couple of pastors in Leningrad uh, made sure that they found their teachers like uh, the Cassetti sisters and others and spread them out through apartments in Leningrad. But right before Christmas in 1929, uh, 30 or so were arrested and uh, ultimately sent to uh, heavy labor in the White Sea Canal, uh, which Anne Applebaum writes in her book, Gulag, about the, the, the terrors of working there. So uh, people paid a price uh, and, and what's really intriguing, you know, as, as I go through that, I, I read how several pastors were very aware of the signs of the time. They knew that Zeitgeist uh, in the Soviet Union in the late 1920s, and they said, things are changing here. You are not going to be living in a free country in the future, and you better know your Bibles because they're going to take them away from you and they're going to close your churches. And you're going to need to keep that church alive in an underground fashion. And uh, both these par pastors uh, who had led that, that Sunday school project in Leningrad were, were both executed, actually, arrested and executed, too, by the Soviet authorities. So, you know, they see these things. I'm, I'm not saying something like this is on the horizon here, but, you know, as I read this and as I look at real history of Finland right now, I begin to worry and say, hey, we better, we better also prepare a younger generation for, for eventuality of things that can happen because we can read that in history. Mm -hmm. hmm. I'm, just, I'm just glad you're, you've written a book about the Russian Lutherans. This is not something that was on my radar, which I guess would be a, a result of the persecution that they, they experienced, that it was kind of erased from Russian history in a way. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to learn more about this. I just didn't know. I always think of German Lutherans, sure. and, you know, Swedish Lutherans, but I just never really thought of Russian Lutherans. That's, yeah, that's and, really cool. And, and Pastor Cleland, the really interesting thing is a lot of these folks were ethnic German uh, or Estonian uh, or ethnic Finns. They were uh, they had that kind of background, and that was how they were allowed into this to to actually have a Lutheran church in uh, in Russia centuries back, literally dating back to the middle of the 16th century, and uh, mm -hmm. then all up to that current time. But then, of course, uh, with the changes in the laws in 1905 in uh, Russia under Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, Actually, Russian citizens were allowed to to go to Lutheran churches, and there were many who were intrigued by Lutheran theology. So there were actually ethnic R Russians in the Lutheran church, including a guy by the name of Yevgeny, Yevgeny Haneke, 
who who happened to be uh, the right hand man for Ivan Pavlov, and we all know him for the Pavlov's dog mm-hmm. experiment. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of interesting folks there. And uh, uh, but but what the story really, I think, just indicates, uh, you know, people who are seeing the trends of the time and, and what is happening. And, and so it's really troubling to see what's happening in Finland. I, I think I can actually add a, a little positive note because we have been working with the Reverend Tuomo Simioki. Uh, he's been helping us with mission work in Africa, and he is the head of the mission board for uh, the Finnish Mission Diocese, which is literally the newest church partner for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as of this year. And uh, uh, Bishop-elect Poyle is his cousin. So I talked to him a few days ago via Zoom, and he told me, he said, there's a little bit of a backlash. Even atheists in Finland are beginning to question what's going on here, that perhaps they are going too far, and that this bishop has the right to speak his own mind. Uh, Mind you, this is also the state Lutheran church allows uh, homosexual marriage. So they're kind of quiet, although some of the bishops now are beginning to speak up and say, uh, this is going too far. So, so hopefully, some people are at least beginning to rethink and saying, do we really want to do this? Do we want to persecute people for just expressing what's in the scriptures? We have more to learn from Dr. Heise and Lutheran Heritage Foundation, more updates from him as well. We'll do that in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. Today we're talking with the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heise. He's Executive Director of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, giving us an update today. And in the first half, uh, really heard a, a lot about uh, what's going on in ter- around the world, particularly in a number of places, what uh, what persecution has looked like. But we have some. We also have some. Uh, I think some more encouraging things to share as well. Um, uh, Pastor Heise, share with us uh, some of the work, uh, some of the projects that have been happening with Lutheran Heritage Foundation and progress is being made with those? Well, I guess I could probably uh, m- maybe start that by by mentioning I was really grateful to uh, uh, zoom into the multi-ethnic symposium uh, put on by Concordia Seminary. And I've, I've oh, really, I've, I've found, Phil- I've, I have about five or six of Philip Jenkins' books. And, and so I, I've actually had the chance to sit down and talk to him briefly about some of, uh, some of what he's written. And uh, his theme, of course, uh, is that uh, the uh, this new face of Christianity is moving to the southern hemisphere, to Africa and Asia in particular. And uh, actually, that's what I see in the work of Lutheran Heritage Foundation. I mentioned that we had be, begun our work in Russia, and by God's grace, we're now working in 92 countries and 128 languages around the world. And most wow. of those are in Africa and Asia. 
Um, just a recent uh, example is uh, the Zhao language. I had never heard of Zhao. Uh, and uh, it is a language of kind of Tibetan Burmese background. Uh, so if you want to find the Manipur Evangelical Lutheran Church, which was established in 1954, you have to go way to the east of India and look at a map and you will see it is lodged between Bangladesh and Burma, or as they call it in modern terms, Myanmar, and to the north is Bhutan and Tibet. So this church is, is, is in a very remote area. As I spoke to our LHF India coordinator, uh, Cherub Sundaram, he told me that uh, actually over 100 years ago, there were cannibals living in that region up just slightly north of, of Manipur. And uh, missionaries from Scottish and Welsh background, Presbyterian, uh, uh, Baptist background came and, and shared the word of God to people in the 1890s, early 1900s. Lutheranism came there. And now the bishop of this church is actually a graduate of Concordia Seminary, Fort Wayne. Uh, and as we began to work with him, he said, we don't have anything really in the language of our people. And of course, they learn Hindi. Hindi is the dominant language of India, but okay. so is Zao. Zao is taught in the schools, and it is the language a lot of people speak in their homes. So uh, he wanted to do Luther's small catechism in the language of Zao. And so we started looking, okay, what on earth, where is, where is this? And uh, working with them, um, I'm, I'm happy to report that a, a couple of weeks ago, now we have printed the Zao Catechism, and uh, it will be used to teach people in the church there, uh, many who don't know as much about Christianity. And so to give them kind of those right. Lutheran particulars that you get through the small catechism is, is really a blessing. And uh, along with that, we also, uh, about a month ago, have, have published the first Punjabi uh, Luther small catechism as well, uh, put out by us. So using several different languages, uh, you know, with India, I think we're close to 10 languages, which means we only have maybe uh, several thousand more to go <laughs> yeah. before the Lord returns. <laughs> so we are, we're just dipping our toes into the ocean or the Indian, sea, uh, Indian Ocean, you might say. And, uh, but uh, it, it's really a joy to always see uh, this come to countries uh, or regions of the world that have never had God's word in their own language or Lutheran teachings and, and to see the excitement registered uh, with uh, those who are doing this work and, and leading the church. I, I love that. I think that's amazing, translating the, the small catechism. I mean, it really fits with what it was originally used for. Um, I think that's great. And now it it sounds like you you typically do the small catechism first or, or maybe some children's yeah, that's, material? Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. Um, we, we, there's there's two books that we, we work with primarily. Of course, the small catechism. We try to do the Enchiridion, the basic six chief parts, and, and sometimes mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do that in booklet form uh, because sometimes you're working in countries where Christianity is illegal and a little small booklet form is something right. a person can stick into his or her pocket fairly quickly uh, and, and hide it. Um, but uh, we do the catechism with questions as well. And along with that, usually some type of children's Bible story book, um, A Child's Garden of Bible Stories that was uh, published by CPH back in 1948 is, mm -hmm. is something that we work on. And now we have actually uh, created our own um, 
teen Bible study. It's called God's Word for You. It uses a uh, manga style characteristics for uh, oh, how cool. for the illustrations. And so this is something we're really excited. We we use two former CPH authors to write the text, and uh, so. Uh, now uh, we're finishing up the illustrations, and that will be published very quickly within the next few weeks, hopefully in English, with the idea that we're going to translate this into many Asian languages. I think that's going to be a big hit with youth here. I've, coming from a former high school English teacher, <laughs> yeah. manga, that sounds, that sounds great to me. That's, yeah. that's going to be really And, and believe see. me, it was, it was kind of interesting. Our, our uh, coordinator for, East, for Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, Reverend Dr. Ted Nathalong, uh, he he had to uh, he had to work with illustrators because at first uh, Jesus was uh, akin to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and so we had to st- had to tell the illustrator to tone down his muscles just a little bit, and and the wolves looked like uh, docile little shepherd dogs, and I said, okay, get some sharper teeth there, and yeah, yeah. So he's really worked closely to make sure that we get those images just right. That's great. I, I, I see that you're already wanting a copy. Oh, I want a copy. Yes. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah. We'd be happy to get you one. Awesome. <laughs> Pastor Heisey, where else uh, do we see the work of uh, Lutheran Heritage Foundation happening today? Well, um, because of the pandemic, uh, um, places, some sometimes publishing houses are open and closed. And right now, uh, Cambodia has been locked down a bit. But uh, now it looks like it's opening up. And we hope this week to actually begin to print uh, the Khmer Book of Concord. Khmer is the language of Cambodia. And uh, through our uh, director there, Sopa Korn, who grew up in a Buddhist family, this is, this is really exciting work. Uh, he's actually working on a master's degree through Grand Canyon University, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually uh, run by uh, the president, is, is Brian Mueller, is an LCMS member. And uh, my former prof, Paul Rabi. <laughs> Is uh, is also teaching there uh, from uh-huh. Concordia Seminary. So uh, Sopa is 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 upgrading his his uh, uh, credentials there and, and and learning more as he does that. But he he has been working assiduously with a good team to finally put together this Book of Concord in Khmer. And in Cambodia, we just see see great things happening. Uh, our own OIM missionary JP Sima is doing uh, doing fantastic work and uh, working together with the church there, small but growing church in uh, Cambodia throughout Cambodia, uh, and, and once again the excitement of of so many of the people there to to see these these Lutheran documents come into a language that they can read and be able to explain and 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 teach their people and 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 help grow their church leaders. Um, you know, I, I just think of the killing fields uh, not terribly long ago, and actually Sopa's uh, uh, father's cousin was the head of one of these camps. He was actually a very famous individual. A few months ago, you would have noted uh, he was in New York, New York Times obituary because uh, he was in prison for life and actually converted to Christianity. And uh, it seems to have been a genuine conversion from what Sopa told me. So, you know, the, a lot has changed in that country. And uh, the opportunities now are great to just continue to grow a church because uh, there's more freedom maybe sometimes there than there are in Western lands, as we started off talking about. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, thanks be to God for all the the work that's happening uh, around the world for people to uh, to have these great works in their own languages, to learn about God and his love for them in their 
own language. And the, as you mentioned earlier, LHF is uh, has been around for a while. And uh, recently, the founder of LHF was recognized here at Concordia Seminary. Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, Pastor Ron uh, received the Distinguished Alumnus Award uh, just this past Friday and uh, well-deserved after after 50, 50 years. And uh, at the luncheon, he was introduced by my old mentor, uh, Dr. Robert Kolb, who who can attest to the fact that he has been able to use a lot of the LHF uh, materials in countries where he has traveled in India and Russia, and and to be able to uh, point people to documents in their own language so they could follow along with him. And of course, we we uh, we, we published Dr. Kolb as well, Christian Faith, uh, many of the books that he has also written, uh, um, teaching uh, all people, baptizing. Uh, we, we, we love to print him and uh, get him into the languages of many other people. And, and Pastor Ron is 85 years young, so he still wanders around the country and visits churches. Uh, so uh, he's, he's always happy to come and, and visit, as, as are uh, many of our staff members as well. Outstanding. And thanks be to God for him and the the work that he's been doing these many years as well. Dr. Heisey, where can we learn more about Lutheran Heritage Foundation and the great work happening through LHF? Well, you can just go to lhfmissions.org, and that is a plural, missions, lhfmissions.org. And for those who might be interested in just reading this booklet uh, that the Finnish church produced, uh, you could go to www lhfmissions.org slash male and female. And if you go to our website, you'll actually be able to read a PDF version of that booklet because as we've talked about that persecution, people have asked, uh, where can I read this? Uh, not in Finnish because most of us don't know Finnish. <laughs> Very good. Dr. Heisey, thank you so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour today, giving us a great update on Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.